Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we will talk with Lou Hill from UTRGV Men's Basketball, their head coach, a very insightful conversation on opening dialogue for race relations around the NCAA. We're also going to have Rachel's conversation with Nick Gonzalez after he was selected number seven overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we have some more WAC baseball players signing professional contracts. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Gonzalez swings and he crushes it. Left center field. Warning track walk. Goodbye. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner, joined by Rachel V. Hill. I'm in Colorado Springs. She is in Denver. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm good, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's been uh, quite a week. We're officially into summer now, so it seems like it's been summer for a few weeks, but we had Father's Day. We had Juneteenth uh, this past weekend, so how how did that go for you? You know, it was good. I was able to celebrate with my dad on Sunday. We just went over to their house and did a little bit of a barbecue. The weather was nice before we got a little bit of a rainstorm, but overall it was good. uh, so my dad plays racquetball constantly. He obviously oh. hasn't been able to play, um, not being able to go to the gym and everything. So we got him a Wii and we got him Wii Sports <laughs> so that he can keep like the same movements going yes. just playing in our living room. So it was funny to watch him do that. Well, I mean, the Wii, I mean, that was kind of popular a ways back. Have they, have they updated? I have not played a Wii in probably uh, five years or so. Right, yeah. I haven't played a Wii Gosh, I don't even know. It's been a really long time, but there's nothing else. Like they have the switch nowadays, but it's not like the same kind of motion. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and all gaming systems are pretty much sold out anyway. So my sister like had a Wii in her basement and we just found the game and was able to give it to him. So it's a little something new for him, just something to keep him entertained. Well, that, that sounds like a, a pretty fun weekend. I, uh, uh, I, it's always been a combination, at least for the last uh, 16 years or so here on my birthday and Father's Day usually fall on the same week, sometimes the same day. So I uh, celebrated my birthday last week, had a chance to go out to uh, brunch for the first time and sit in a restaurant. So that was kind of fun and uh, went down to Manitou Springs, which I live in Colorado Springs. And, and that's starting to open up. They have a penny arcade, which is always fun to do. So my daughter and I, we did that. And uh, Father's Day... Uh, she decided to, to uh, sleep in a little bit. She said she'd make me breakfast on Father's Day, and uh, she did. But uh, she didn't wow. wake up until uh, 3 p.m. So we had uh, <laughs> pancakes about 3.30 in the afternoon. So I'd already had breakfast and lunch by that point. So I had a, an early dinner, I guess, for uh, Father's Day. But they were delicious. They were gluten-free uh, chocolate chip banana pancakes. So I cannot complain about that. 3 p.m., though. You know, she's a teenager. <laughs> how late did she stay up um you know she uh she doesn't uh, you're like she goes to bed way after i do yeah yeah i'm not gonna keep track of that uh, because i would never get any sleep myself but i do remember being a teenager and sleeping all day and you know when you're growing and all that good stuff uh i think it helps but uh yeah maybe not till 3 p.m maybe uh we need to start uh figuring out a uh, uh, time to wake up for uh for a teenager there yeah i don't know if i ever slept <laughs> in until 3 p.m i feel like the latest i probably did was maybe like 11 maybe in college it might have been a little later i yeah. guess 
but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Three o'clock probably never happened for me. No, so for, no. I guess props to her. That's a long time to sleep. You, you know, that that's impressive. It is. It is. So uh, on to uh, WAC Sports. So uh, Nick Gonzalez uh, was on WAC All Access once again this past week, Rachel, and you had a chance to talk to him again. He's wearing the Pittsburgh Pirates hat as he was the seventh pick, the New Mexico State product. Uh, what did you learn from Nick Gonzalez this week? Yeah, I, he was super excited to be going down to the Pirates. We kind of talked about his experience, uh, you know, on draft day, what it was like leading up, the people that he was able to have around him. Uh, and then I also asked him one of the big things I think we're all kind of wondering is what are the next couple of weeks slash months going to look like for him? Right. And he still didn't have a clue either. So kind of all up in the air, but he's obviously very excited to get rolling and just see what the future holds for him. Yeah, and we're going to replay that uh, interview in segment three of the podcast uh, today if you have not had a chance to listen to that. Uh, more exciting news for Nick and, and also his teammate Tristan Peterson. They were named Academic All-Americans this week. Yeah, Tristan Peterson, 4.0 with an yeah. engineering degree. Yes. First team, and then Gonzalez had a 3.3 in individual studies. So that's awesome. You know, to be able to see them get their degrees as well as, you know, do well in the classroom and out on the field that's awesome yeah that that is i think nick had another year left but uh tristan i believe was a senior uh in terms of the number of years he's been at new mexico state i don't remember if he had another year he could play or not but uh he's a guy we want to keep an eye on to uh who who possibly could sign a contract Cade meckles from grand canyon was a fourth round pick the chicago white Sox. uh i know you were hoping to have him on the uh, on whack all axis this week Yes, and he is scheduled for Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, so he'll hop on Instagram Live with me. You know, we'll kind of talk about uh, draft day for him. I know he actually wasn't, like, in his house uh, when he got the call from the White Sox manager. So I'm excited to sit down and chat with him and just kind of see how the whole experience was from him, his end as well as his Tommy John surgery and how he's doing and recovering. Yeah, I was reading uh, an article by our good friend Paul Coro over at GCULopes.com, and his parents had rented him a house in Phoenix. So uh, Quinn Cotton and some of his other teammates uh, from the past few years were there. And it was really a, a question, Rachel, whether or not he was going to get drafted. Obviously, a 40th round pick the year before. But having that Tommy John surgery and also not being the prototypical, he's, I think he's 5'11", doesn't you know throw 100 miles an hour. Um, there was some question whether or not he would get drafted, but he goes in the fourth round to the White Sox. So a very good situation for Cade Meckles. I'm looking forward to that interview uh, this Wednesday. Yeah, me too. And I know he said in that article with Paul that he honestly thought that his season was just over with and there was not a shot that he was going to get to move on to the pros. So, you, you know, when you look at it, you're really extra happy for him because this big obstacle comes in the way. He gets the surgery and then to still hear his name called. I'm really happy and I'm glad he's a part of the WAC and, you know, coming from the WAC to go into the pros. Absolutely. And two of his teammates have since signed uh, professional contracts. Drew Smith from GCU signs with the Milwaukee Brewers and Cuba Bess, who uh, hails from Grand Junction, Colorado, uh, signs with the Boston Red Sox. So, we were kind of not sure exactly what would happen to those guys who were likely going to be drafted had it been a 40-round a draft, but there's two other guys from GCU who get to sign pro contracts. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure, honestly, they're just happy to move, be moving on to the next level. I know that was one question we had asked Nick is how his teammates were feeling about not having a 40-round draft, and he was 
he said he was sad for them because there's nothing like quite hearing your name called. I believe Adam Young also told us that, but there's nothing like hearing your name called. Right. However, they really just want to move on into the pros. At the end of the day, like that's the main goal. So I'm happy that they both had the opportunity to, especially with Cuba too, you know, short season um, already, even before COVID hit. So um, really happy for both of them. And then we saw two other guys. And again, it's a little harder to track once they start signing the contract. So there's a possibility we, we may have missed a couple of guys so far, but we'll we'll try to make that up. But uh, Seattle used Brandon Jenkins, who we didn't get a chance to see, Rachel, because uh, they, we didn't uh, – this was his first year with the Red Hawks, and, and we didn't uh, get to see him in the tournament this year, obviously. And then Parker Brahms, a guy we saw a lot of the year before from Sacramento State. Uh, Brandon Jenkins goes to the White Sox. Obviously, the White Sox had a scout in the whack as they uh, draft Cade Meckles and now sign Brandon Jenkins. And then – uh, Sacramento State's Parker Brahms goes to the Pirates. So the Pirates also uh, heavily invested in the whack. Yeah, I love to see it. It's awesome to see. You know, Brandon, we didn't get to see him uh, overall, though his stats looked pretty decent. He's the first player to go to the White Sox uh, since 1973, and that was John Varga from Seattle U. So it's been a while, but I'm glad to see that the White Hat, the White Sox are staying engaged with all of us, our whack talent. Yeah, and Parker Brahms, a, a part of that team from Sacramento State that won the six games in a row to to win the WAC tournament uh, last year and and got a lot of uh, action uh, pitching as well. So he he will join uh, Nick Gonzalez in the Pirates organization. Yeah, I know. I wish I would have known because then I could have asked Nick. Obviously, I'm not sure if he had already signed his contract, but to know somebody and probably be going out to the minors, but I think that's an interesting thing. And how they'll, maybe they'll play together, you know, what will that look like? Granted, I don't think really anybody knows, but I wish I would have known that so I could ask Nick about that. Absolutely. And uh, basketball, we're starting to see some players sign overseas. It's, again, a little unusual because usually by now the NBA season has ended. NBA draft is coming up. Uh, they're going to be heading to Orlando end of July. That's the plan right now anyway uh, to finish up uh, in the bubble with the 22 teams uh, in the NBA going to uh, play in that bubble and then having the playoffs and then having the draft. But uh, Dejan Davis from California Baptist signing with a team in Turkey and then Jordan Giles from uh, Kansas City uh, signing with a team to play in Luxembourg. So again, it'll be interesting to see I know I've, I've heard in Europe that the COVID pandemic is, is kind of uh, not quite as bad as it is in the United States currently uh, as it uh, hit them a little bit earlier. So maybe they'll have a chance to play uh, in a normal uh, time frame, but very excited for Dejan and Jordan uh, getting a play, chance to play overseas professionally. Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder what like the travel restrictions are right. nowadays for that, like, because I know the Canadian borders are still pretty much shut down except for essential workers. So will they be able to leave anytime soon to go over there? Or do you think it'll be a couple months? I find that really interesting. So, But obviously, we're happy for both of them. And I look forward to seeing their pro careers. And that's also an issue with the NBA where there's some uh, players that went overseas or, or went back to their home countries during the pandemic. And getting them back to play uh, in in the bubble in, uh, in July here. So that's... Uh, yeah, definitely going to be a concern. Uh, USA Today had a uh, mock draft up. Actually, it was via a, a couple of different websites. Uh, the uh, Let me see. It's the rookiewire.usatoday.com. And they did a full two-round mock draft, Rachel. And the uh, one of the first or the uh, second round picks that they have uh, projected to go to the Boston Celtics is Turv Queen from New Mexico State. 
I know. Once I read that article, obviously, uh, huge respect for Trev. I think he's done an incredible job of really getting himself out there and like proving to scouts that he can play in the NBA. Uh, it must be kind of serious, though, because Trev said in an interview with Hoops Hype that he's been a devoted fan since they traded for Ray Allen. So for him to come out and say that, maybe some scouts have been talking to him about possibly going and playing there. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And it's been quite a a uh, couple of months for New Mexico State, as obviously Nick Gonzalez went number seven to the Pirates, and they also had a uh, running back go in the NFL draft. So they have a, a chance to have three players in three different sports uh, get drafted this year. Yeah, New Mexico State athletics, I think, is a serious underdog, and they always seem to prove everybody wrong when it comes to all of their sports. I'm so lucky that they're a part of the WAC, and we have the ability to watch them play. You know, I think all the coaches over there have done a tremendous job in um, creating players that are not only respectful on the court or on the field, uh, but also off. I truly have the utmost respect for all of them. One uh, one of the things we've been keeping an eye on here, obviously, with uh, in light of the George Floyd uh, murder killing, uh, you know, back on Memorial Day, uh, you know, there's obviously been a lot of uh, talk and uh, there's been protests around the country and a lot of uh, schools and conferences uh, starting to try to figure out uh, how to open a dialogue for race relations, those type of things. UNLV is a member of the WAC in both men's soccer and swimming and diving. In fact, the, the men's soccer tournament scheduled to be at UNLV this year. Uh, for the WAC, and they actually uh, removed the uh, Hey Reb statue there, of course, the UNLV Rebels. They removed the statue, and there was also an article on ESPN that there's, there's talk they might try to, uh, you know, get their nickname changed as, you know, there's there's a, a new spotlight on various things that are, you know, at least in perception, tied to the Confederacy. And we saw NASCAR, you know, they're outlawing the Confederate flag, and obviously Rebels was, was the name of the the fighters for the Confederacy were referred to as rebels. So, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about getting some names changed, those type of things, and and it's uh, impacting uh, the folks at UNLV. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens there. You know, just the amount of people taking a stand for these sorts of things right now. Um, I've probably said this 10 times in this podcast episode, but the utmost respect for everybody. Uh, I know it's a truly difficult time, and I know we're going to be talking to Lou Hill from UTRGV. And I just want to hear his perspective. Um, Obviously, Eric, I don't think you and I will ever really understand, but um, just to hear from Coach Hill and everything that he's gone through and his experiences to see how he can shed light, but also for situations revolving around the WAC like UNLV, I think it's important to hear from him to kind of see what his thoughts are. You know, that's somebody who's actually like generally impacted hugely by this. So uh, just those types of things I'm excited to talk to Coach Hill about. Yeah, and Coach Hill actually spent uh, five or six years as an assistant at UNLV uh, when he was coaching with Long Kruger before he went to Oklahoma and then to UTRGV. So it'll be interesting to see if he has any thoughts on that. And he'll be coming up in our next segment. So very good segue there, Rachel. And we, uh, <laughs> we'll be talking to Lou Hill, the head men's basketball coach at UTRGV, when we come back on the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast, or welcome back to the WAC Podcast. I'm Eric Danner, along with Rachel Lee Hill. We are now joined by UTRGV men's basketball coach, Lou Hill. Coach Hill, first off, thanks for joining us 
on the podcast. We're going to get into all kinds of topics today. But uh, first off, wanted to see how, how your Father's Day went. Father's Day went good. I, I was on the road for most of it. Uh, went to watch a basketball game, watched my son play, and then in Austin, then got on the road and came back and had a little nice family gathering at home. Are sports kind of starting back up down in Texas then? Yes. Gotcha. It might close down quickly because the numbers are going back up. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, here in Colorado, there's nothing going on, but I do know, like, I have family members across other different states and sports are starting to, like, start back up. So it's interesting to see how long they're going to last. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see. And, and we, we, we gambled. I, obviously, I do my research, but I don't live in fear, but we live in cautious. So we was trying to – and the tournament did a good job of taking precautions, and, you know, we did our own. So just put it in God's hand and, over and, just, let, and just go with it. Well, Coach, that was the last time we got to see you was back in WAC Vegas in March when this whole pandemic started. You guys were the number two seed. You had won eight out of ten. You were hot. You won that overtime game against California Baptist heading into the tournament. It's obviously a big disappointment that you didn't get to play out and see how the tournament uh, turned out. But obviously, we're all in the same boat, and and nobody got to see how things turned out. How did you address that with your team, and, and how have you guys handled that as a team missing out on that opportunity to, to finish out their season? I mean, we don't – I mean, it is what it is, right? Everybody went through that. But I just felt bad for my seniors, of course, because we were playing at a really high level and we thought we had an excellent chance. And actually, my two seniors were really playing really good at that time, Leslie Bond and Jordan Jackson. So I just felt bad for them and then just – how emotionally they were when they got the news, but we all understood safeties first. How did you tell the team, or did they already kind of have an idea that the tournament was pretty much going to shut down? Well, when they read the NBA and all the other leagues was shut down, I mean, I told them quickly, but they knew, you know, they everybody on social media, especially at that time, everybody was watching and watching and watching. So, you know, but – they handled it, you know, they handled it. We, we went through adversity all year that last year. So that was just another adversity moment and, and a moment of growth for our team eternally. So, Coach Hill, looks like you're in your office there at UTRGV. I'm at my house in Colorado Springs. Rachel's in Denver. Uh, I imagine you've been doing a lot of these Zoom meeting type of things. As far as on campus, what, uh, what are you allowed to do now? Uh, are you allowed to do some workouts or are players starting to trickle in? What, what's the status of things there in Edinburgh? No, really, they just um, brought us back to campus last week. And what we're doing, we're doing alternating days. Um, men basketball is Monday, Wednesday, and we're doing alternating Fridays, you know. So we got an orange and gray group. <laughs> but none of our kids are here on campus. What are the talks for the falls? I know things are kind of planning to go according to regular plan with some remote options available. Well, we're bringing, we're bringing our guys back July 15th. Well, you know, it's, we live in a day-to-day society right now. So we're planning on bringing our guys back on the 15th. Um, so to see how it goes, you know, they're bringing football teams back and I see a lot of kids having it, but with what was going on in, a lot of people are going to have it. <laughs> so I'm just trying to be – I'm anxious to see who on my team has it or don't have it. Hopefully no one has it. 
But if they do, we, we got protocol to, to handle the situation. And coach, uh, if people are listening or watching, they, they might pick up on your New York accent a little bit. Maybe it's not as thick as it might have been uh, 20 years ago, but obviously you're from New York, uh, a state that was hit very hard by the COVID pandemic. Uh, were you personally affected, friends, family uh, back in New York? Yes. A lot of friends and family had it, you know, and didn't lose, uh, lost, some fr lost some older, like mentor type people to death. Uh, because they were sick already, obviously, but just friends and family that just had to just go through it, you know. So, by the grace of God, they're all okay right now. Well, Coach, obviously, sending our prayers to you, your family, all your loved ones. And then, you know, during this pandemic, I feel like we all picked up new hobbies, right? Where we all tried to find ways to entertain ourselves. And I know that you decided to read The Dinosaur Who Lived in My Backyard on social media. So, how did that even kind of come about? Well, the, the school did it. You know, we were going around saying, let's do something different. So they was talking about reading. And obviously, I, you know, I just went first and came up with the idea. My daughter get, got the book, obviously. That was her one of her favorite stories. And she came up with the whole scheme of her and I doing it. Well, I wanted her with me because it was her favorite book. So nobody else was doing it. So we set the standard of, like, I brought her in. We kind of even dressed her like that was all her idea. <laughs> she put on her mother's sweatsuit jacket that matches mine. So, and then we, I wanted her to read it because she was so excited about the opportunity to do it. So, classic father daughter time. I mean, how much does that mean to you as a dad? Uh, it meant a lot to me, you know, just doing something together with her. And if her being her the idea and her trying to control everything, the camera had my wife videotaping it and you know and she she did all the spices and, and and then we sent it to Jonah and he did a little more but she she basically ran the show her and my wife I just was I was just there <laughs> <laughs> well what a great idea coach we talked to Jonah about that a few weeks ago on the podcast and and one of those things uh, that you wouldn't normally have done uh, in any other time, but uh, it's been well received. I know Commissioner Jeff Hurd uh, participated in the uh, in the reading now, so you started something, Coach. <laughs> well, we started. I didn't start it by myself. So, <laughs> well, Coach, uh, we we talked to uh, Rachel and I in our first segment, starting to see some players from around the wax sign contracts overseas. I saw Dejan Davis uh, signed with a team in Turkey uh, from uh, CBU. And also Jordan Giles, who played at Kansas City, signed in Luxembourg. You mentioned your two seniors, Leslie Varner and Jordan Jackson, and they were having very good seasons. Where is their status? Are they looking at playing overseas? Or, you know, normally this time of year we would have the NBA draft usually, I think, about this time of year. And then you'd see guys start signing overseas or, or more. What, what's their status? Well, I, I haven't spoken to Jordan. I spoke to Leslie last week. Uh, their status is good, though. You know, they're just waiting to see – what happens, you know, whether it's G League overseas, you know, they just want to play basketball and they have the opportunity to play somewhere afterwards, whether it's NBA, G League or overseas. But nothing has happened right now. It's just really slow, you know, because of obviously the pandemic and, and, we, and then we'll see where we are with that. Um, Isaiah Fontaine, Simon Finley, so our other third senior. So that was excited about that. But them two guys, they won't have a problem of signing. Coach, as you're putting together a schedule for next season, I know you have a couple games going at the Burt Ogden Arena. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that right. Do you know which games yet, or what are you expecting the atmosphere to be like? Well, I think it's going to be great. We played one there the year before last. We played University of Oklahoma. 
Coach Kruger came back and opened up the arena for us there. And it was exciting, great crowd, great atmosphere. And I think it's going to be the exact same thing this year. We were playing Corpus Christi, a double hitter with our women, which I think is exciting. And then we're going to play New Mexico State there. Mm. That will be fun. So, and then, but if we can move it up to about five games a year, six games a year, I think it could be good. Three conference games, three out of conference games, I think it would be really exciting for the fans around here and for the WAC fans as well that comes here. We're talking with Coach Lou Hill from – UTRGV will be heading into his fifth season as head coach. Uh, back on June 5th, coach, you sent out a tweet uh, that you could no longer remain silent in the wake of George Floyd's death. What kind of response uh, did you get to that tweet? And uh, it seems like it really kind of opened up a lot of dialogue there. Well, when I first wrote it, I wrote it just to the campus and sent it to a few of my friends. And they was like, uh, um, you need to get that out to people because I just wanted it internally. But then when people started saying no, send it out, you know, put it, tweet it. And, and then I called Chase and we talked about it. Then Jonah and those guys did a good job of sending it out. And the response has been overwhelming in the good, 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 the good part, you know. But I'm usually one that doesn't bite my tongue too much when it comes to a, a cause that needs to be um, heard. I don't fight every fight, but the ones that needs to be fought out, I'll get in there. Coach, it's obviously a tough subject matter, but what do you think some people still aren't understanding about this matter? <laughs> we still, it's still going on. I just, the, the, the race car driver mm -hmm. just had a noose found in his garage at the, at the uh, Talladega. So I just think, I mean, it's been going on for years and years, so nothing surprises me, you know. So, but I just, I do, I hope change will happen this time. Laws has to change, legislature, you know, so we have to, you know, things like that has to change for it to be a change. But we have to learn to have healthy, tough conversations with one another and, and, and be great listeners. And, and if, but we have to put things in action. We can't just talk, 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 talk. Right, we got to put things into motion. And coach, you started your your coaching career in the South and at South Alabama. You also were an assistant coach at UNLV, uh, where there there's talk there about uh, they took a statue down and uh, possibly changing the nickname. Were they, were these things that you you thought you would see maybe even you know six months ago it wasn't even being talked about? No, I'm glad. You know, anything that 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 is for racism or, or, or depression or, or slavery in, the, in that matter needs to be taken down. You know, we need to live in an equality world, you know, a world where, like I told you, I don't want anything special. I just want to be treated equally. So I think a lot of, a lot of people are feeling the same way. There was an article, Coach, that you did with uh, Chase Conk and Dr. Guy Bailey. Where did this idea about opening up dialogue from the UTRGV standpoint really come from? Dr. Bailey started it, but Chase and I started it as well within the athletic department, and, and Dr. Bailey was already on board with it. So I think it was a combination of it all together. You know, Dr. Bailey, obviously, he has, he's the president, so he has to do it. And Chase and I, Chase approached me. I was going to approach Chase. But he approached me about it, which was really fantastic for me as, a, as an African-American man. 
you know, that your AD will come directly to you. And he did it before I got to him, which it was as soon as I sat down, I was going to get to him, but he was already on it. What so, kind of ideas can we see kind of come out of this dialogue? So what we're doing, we're doing a lot of things um, with um, putting our players, letting them talk to one another, letting us talk to them as a group, you know, not just, obviously I talked to my team when it happened um, and I listened to my team when it happened and, and, and was feeling them, but Chase has done a great job of, of bringing Darren and all of our coaches in involved and gotten with, um, but so we're going to continue to fight because I don't want to just let it be fresh for two, three weeks. And then it's dead. That that's been what's happening. You know, we will protest, then it's over. But now I think, People are listening, and if you look at it, we it's like Rainbow Coalition um, protesting. A lot of white people, a lot of brown people, a lot of religious, ethnic people, which is great. And and just listening to the, I was listening to the um, race car drivers coming over. They united with Bubba, so that's fantastic, you know. Coach, with uh, with the dialogue opening and seemingly there's more of a spotlight here. Do you see an opportunity for more African-American coaches to be head coaches, to be administrators, to be involved in the NCAA uh, more so than we're seeing now? And we don't have enough. We have a lot of, of, of great minds that's not being, you know, not being shown and not given the opportunity. And I hope it's not for color, but it needs to be a lot more than it is. I'll just leave it like that. You know, it definitely needs to be a lot more, especially on the administration side and the coaching side. I was, you know, looking at different articles um, at some of the power fives, you know, where you got one or two, you know, it was, should be a lot more than that. Coach, what were your players saying and what was kind of your dialogue back and forth with them? Well, I just, you know, we, we, we got into deep depth conversations. You know, I've caught, personally, I called every one of them individually. I didn't do it as a group. I wanted to hear what they say individually, what they, you know, what they say to me, what they, what, what were they feeling and, and, and just listen to them. Yeah. And then I, then I chimed in and tell them, some of my experience, obviously I'm older, so I've been through a lot more than they have. But, and then how can we, how can we help? How, what can we do when they get back here? One, we're gonna do, we're gonna all register to vote. You know, we're gonna, we, we, we're gonna register to vote and we're gonna um, try to make change around campus and in the community. But we live in a diverse community down here. Obviously it's mostly 90% Hispanic. You know, so we we might not run into it as much down here as we do worldwide from where a lot of those guys are from. Coach Hill, the, uh, this past week was the Juneteenth celebration nationwide. It seemed like it, it uh, got a lot more recognition this year than, than maybe previous years. And maybe if people aren't familiar where Edinburgh is, it's in the very south part of Texas, as you mentioned, near the, the Mexico border. But really not all that far from Galveston, Texas, which is the genesis of where the, the Juneteenth celebration is. Did you see a lot more uh, attention given to Juneteenth, uh, in particular in Edinburgh this year? Uh, I, I didn't. Mm, a little bit, a little bit. I, don't, I didn't know, you know, 
I haven't noticed it a lot around here, but around the nation it was given. I didn't know about Juneteenth. I went to junior college in Pasadena. So that was the first time I found out about Juneteenth, oh. you know, when I was 18 years old. Uh, coach, I have one question. Obviously, being a basketball coach and with NBA players coming out and talking about not wanting to play because of they're trying to really get this issue pushed, what are your thoughts on this with the platform that they have? Oh, I think they're doing a great job, but I think you could do both. I think you could play and get the message out. But everybody's different, you know what I mean? Everybody's different. But me, being who I am at my age, I think you could do both. I think you could play. Now, they don't want to play for the pandemic. I get that. But you could still play and get your message across. But for those who don't want to play and get their message across, I respect that as well. And then I guess, Coach, I have kind of a broad question. And obviously, this has been going on for years. But what do you really think was different about George Floyd's death that really sparked this revolution to come together? It's murder right on TV. I mean, usually you might see a tussle here and there on other people that's been You didn't see anything, you know. You just seen a man. What was it, eight minutes and 46 seconds, I think? I don't remember exact number. But to me, if you just a human being, no matter what color you are, just to watch that um, film, and you know, I got, I got a 10-year-old daughter, and she's seen it. You know, because it's all over. My 15-year-old seen it. Then I got to answer questions, you know. But that was a horrific act. Uh, act that shouldn't be forgiven by anyone, you know. And, and I think that's what the, the problem was this time. I think that was the big up world. But it was a lot of other people within the last few months that leading up to that that was killed as well. Mm -hmm. As a father, what did you say to your kids? It's funny because obviously they grew up, they're growing up a lot different than I am. You know, being from New York, seeing a lot of different things. Um, but just explain to them that um, everybody's, all cops aren't bad, but it's about five or 10% that's bad. We got to get them out of there. They shouldn't even be hired. We got to do a better job of hiring them and checking their backgrounds and then putting them through training, you know, and those type of things. You know, I have, I have relatives and really good friends that are cops. That's awesome. You know, so it was, it was funny. I'll give you a little story. Yesterday, I, we were coming back from Austin, and our car broke down. And it was a white couple that helped us. And, and I explained to them that was a great time. That was a great learning for them to let them know, see, everybody's not like that. We have beautiful white people, we have beautiful Hispanic people, we have beautiful black people that, that doesn't have hate in their hearts. And so that was a great learning experience for them at that time. And then I took advantage of that, me and my wife, of course, to let them know that. Coach, how's the car doing? Are you gonna be up and running again there? I had to, buy, I had to buy a new battery this morning. <laughs> <laughs> had to buy a new battery. Well, Coach, we certainly uh, want to thank you for taking some time out, shedding some light uh, on the issues that we've been uh, seeing in our country, in particular the past month or so, and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, hopefully on the court here uh, in October, in, in November, and, and eventually in uh, Las Vegas next year. And that would be awesome because we live in this day-to-day -day world right now. We live in a chaotic world. We don't know what's happening from 
from day to day, from moment to moment. So hopefully we get back to some normalcy soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, stay safe. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. See you guys later. Y'all be safe out there, okay? All right, that is Lou Hill from UTRGB. Coming up next, we're going to have Rachel's interview with Nick Gonzalez, the Pittsburgh Pirates' number seven overall pick. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner with you, reminding you that Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle, whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength for a retailer near you. Visit HerculesTires.com. And in this segment, uh, Rachel Vigil had a chance to visit with Nick Gonzalez again. She talked to him a couple of weeks ago before the Major League Baseball draft. And this past week, she talked to him after the Major League Baseball draft. The outstanding player from New Mexico State was drafted seventh overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates, and here's how Rachel's conversation went. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Obviously, big week for you last week. How are you feeling? Really good. Feeling really good. Um, not much has changed, but um, you know, hopefully, get out there and get going here in the next few weeks. So, have they given you kind of any update on what the next few weeks or months could possibly look like? Um, the only thing that I know for sure is I'll be heading to get a physical and sign the contract and everything like that. But other than that, I think everything's still kind of up in the air. All right. So let's go to a few days prior to the draft. How were the nerves? I know when we talked previously, you were still doing good, but how were they? The nerves were high. Actually, the the few days prior, they were actually like fairly normal. I think I was been I'd been nervous for two, three months that I was just kind of ready for it to happen. You know, the, the week of. And Adam got to go out there from NM Sports Properties. What was it like to have him out there? I know you guys have quite a good relationship. Yeah, it was great to have him out there. He did such a good job, um, you know, the whole week. Uh, he even, he was up at 5 a.m. when I was lifting, and I think he had left uh, Las Cruces at like 1.32 a.m. So, I mean, absolute, you know, grinder and love the guy. Uh, during the draft, obviously, there was a huge TV next to you, which featured your brother. <laughs> who is out and deployed. What was it like for him to be able to tune in? He actually knew probably before you did uh, watching it on the TV because we all saw him jump up first. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to have him there. Um, you know, obviously I couldn't have him there in person because you know uh, what was going on. Uh, he can't really travel right now. So having him on the screen was, you know, not as good, but just as good. He was able to enjoy the moment with the whole family, like everyone else was. And then uh, I heard him yell before, the selection was actually made. So I knew I was like, okay, it's the Pirates. So it was pretty cool. So do they not call you? Do they, you just kind of find out while you're watching? Uh, for the most part, you'll kind of know, uh, you'll talk to your advisor and he'll kind of tell you, um, you know, it's looking like this team right now. Um, you know, congratulations. It's probably this team. Um, but it's still, it's like a different feeling when you hear it on the, on the TV with uh, the commissioner says your name. Absolutely. So the night before, how many hours of sleep do you think you actually got? It was actually probably decent. It was probably like six or seven hours. Yeah, it was a decent amount. I don't know how much my parents got. I don't think they got a lot, but me, I was. it was a good amount. Good. And what kind of food did you have to celebrate? I know you told me you were a big Mexican fan. Did you end up having Mexican food? Honestly, I don't remember what I – I don't even remember. Um, 
Yeah, I don't remember. I knew I wasn't going to be able to. Yeah, I don't. I knew I was going to, because you just don't feel hungry when you're just that excited. And I think that's kind of how it was. So, day of, walk me through that day. You worked out, you said 5 a.m. What happened following up to the draft or leading up to the draft? Then I went um, and hung out with Joey and Kevin, Joey Ortiz and Kevin Jimenez, and we kind of just hung out. Uh, we went and got Mexican food, and and then we got Bahama Bucks, which is like a slushy place in Tucson, and we got that. And we kind of just hung out because I was like, I don't want to go home because I'm just going to be sitting there for just waiting. So I spaced it out really well, actually hanging out with them and then coming back home around 2 o'clock. And then I had to shower and get ready, and it was you know, already pretty much time for the, the draft. And you had a pretty decent group of people there. Who was uh, – we saw kind of like the front-line row. Who was everybody that you hugged right on camera? Yeah, so right on camera was my, my – I hugged my dad, then my mom, then my sister, then my girlfriend. And then right behind me it was uh, my girlfriend's parents, her sisters, and then uh, my best buddies, uh, Kevin Jimenez, Joey Ortiz, and then Gabe Elias. Awesome. And have you been able to talk to, you know, any coaches, what kind of workouts you, you should be doing right now, anything like that? Um, you know, I've been talking to a few people in the organization and, you know, I've just kind of been staying sharp, uh, doing the stuff that I need to do kind of on my own as of right now. And they said shortstop when they announced your name. Are you assuming that you will be playing this for the upcoming years? Do you think you'll end up switching at any point? Or are you kind of just going with the flow? I'm just kind of going with the flow, you know, wherever they put me, if they want me at short, I'll play short, second, it doesn't matter. Nice. Uh, another question I guess we got, and let me hop on over here again. If you have questions for Nick, make sure you're dropping them in the comments. We're going to be looking. Uh, but another one we got was, were there any pitchers that you were really looking forward to going up against this year in the WAC that you didn't get the opportunity to? Um. Yeah, yeah. there was, um. you know, the whole GCU staff I think is really – really incredible and they're really good uh, pitching staff over there so I was looking forward to that and then I actually have a buddy uh, Kevin Stevens who was at UTRGB he pitched for them so I was looking forward to facing him because I don't think I've ever uh, faced him I went to the same high school as him um, Sac State has a great staff as well so I was just kind of looking forward and competing against all those guys. People obviously don't understand the competition I think in the WAC as baseball so obviously now you've been drafted you've gone through the WAC what would you like people to know about WAC baseball? Yeah, I think it's extremely competitive, and I think every year it gets better and better. I mean, we've had uh, players drafted every year. Um, you know, New Mexico State alone has had uh, sixth, fifth, sixth rounder, fifth rounder, and then two fourth rounders. Um, you know, consecutively. So I think that's just building on you know um, what we have in the WAC and the competition that that shows. Another question we got was, what was your mindset before and during your at bat? Yeah, me, I, I just like to see the ball deep and, and uh, do some damage on a good pitch that I can hit. Um, you know, the junior year was a little different um, in terms of what pitches. You might only get one good pitch in that bat versus sophomore and freshman year. You get a few pitches, so you just kind of had to capitalize on that. All right, let's see some other questions we got. What restaurants are you looking forward to trying in Pittsburgh? Ah. Uh, I'm looking forward to anyone I can try. If if I can get down there, I mean, any restaurant is good to me. Uh, I like any food, so I'm. I was cool gonna say that's kind of a tricky one because you've probably never been to Pittsburgh, have you? Yeah, exactly. No, I've never been there. Never. Um, let's see. Other questions we got. Someone said, "Do you remember being called out for sliding head first in the Little League All Star Tournament when you played for Rincon?" <laughs> 
Huh. <laughs> I don't. I don't, but that sounds like something I would probably do. I don't know. Because uh, I know it's, you're not allowed to slide head first in Little League, but I, that sounds like something I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another good one, actually, and it's something I was also wondering. Do you know what number you're going to wear yet? I don't. I mean, I'm stuck right now. I don't know if I want to wear number seven or number 13 or number 20. I don't know. I personally, I think it's just going to be a game time decision. When they ask me, I'll probably just come up with something right away. I'm not sure yet. So what's kind of the idea behind number seven? Uh, just the number seven pick in the draft. I think that's what okay. my girlfriend had told me. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds cool. Sure. <laughs> and then for 13, what's kind of the idea behind that one? Obviously, college number. or Yes. Co- so yeah, I, wore, I wore 13 pretty much all through growing up playing in the, through right. high school. Through, uh, Alex Rodriguez was my fair player. So that's kind of. Uh, was the number that I just wore. Me and my brother actually probably up until college when they give you, you know, whatever number. So you didn't get a pick 21 for college? No, I didn't. It's funny. They were like, uh, you know, usually the freshman, you kind of don't pick your number, but they were kind of like being real nice with me. And they're like, all right, you got three numbers. It was like 21, 42, and something else, like 20 something. And I was like, I can't go 42 because like, if I don't do good, like that's number 42, that's Jackie Robinson's number. Like, I don't want to wear that. Like, I don't think anyone should wear that anyway. So I was like, no, nah, I'll just go 21. Sure. And I was like, probably not even worried. Like, I didn't think I was even going to play. So I was like, whatever, just give me 21. That's fine. <laughs> nice. Um, let's see some other questions. Um, what did Coach Roberts help you improve on in the case? Yeah. So Coach Roberts, I think, the biggest thing I learned from him, my biggest takeaway was just having a passion for the game. Uh, I mean, Coach Roberts is around 70 years old and uh, showed up to the ballpark earlier than us and stayed later than us and, you know, was sweating, throwing BP, batting practice, everything. So I think he has such a high passion for the game that that really rubbed off on me. And I'm, I'm really, you know, that was what really, you know, stuck out to me. Did Coach Green and Coach Kirby reach out to you after you got drafted? Yes, they did. Uh, Coach Green, uh, he had reached out and Kirby had reached out. They're all super pumped and excited. And that was really cool for them to reach out. Did any other possible teammates reach out to you or have you not been able to talk to anyone else yet? Oh yeah. Every, yeah. Mostly everyone's reached out and, you know, super excited. The phone was, you know, off the hook. I, I Hopefully I got back to everyone. And if I didn't just shoot me a text and I'll get back to you again. <laughs> Awesome, Nick. Well, again, I really appreciate you hopping on. I know a lot of people had so many questions for you, but we're all very happy for you, and we wish you the best of luck in Pittsburgh. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Rachel. Excellent job. As always, we want to thank Nick Gonzalez for talking with Rachel during that segment. We also want to thank Lou Hill for visiting with us and the conversation we had in our second segment. And we want to thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.